Are you a real estate investor looking to elevate your income, freedom, and lifestyle? If so, optimize your daily performance by downloading our free guide, Raising the Bar, Five Steps to Elevate Your Habits at elevatepod.com. In this guide created by yours truly, you'll learn why you do what you do, how to easily institute cues in your environment to trigger desired behavior, directly applicable steps to create a fulfilling future, and much more. Get your free copy now at elevatepod.com and kickstart your new habits today. Your future self will thank you. Welcome to Elevate the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Basin, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here. And I'm blessed and grateful to be sitting with my Elevate brother, Derek Clifford, today. Today, you're going to learn about how to take your investing to the next level by bringing your spouse into the process, by improving your communication with your spouse, by developing, strengthening, and decision-making of, you know, through and with a vision, a clear vision that you create together. You're gonna learn about that. You're also gonna learn about tips on tactics, strategies, systems, and processes for really getting to that 10X goal that you have in real estate or those goals that you have Uh, in real estate, you're going to learn so much. You're going to learn about how to define an emerging market. You're going to learn, um, my goodness, you're going to learn so much. You're going to learn about how to design a life. If you want to become a digital nomad as well as a real estate investor, today's episode can be for you, but I'm going to tell you right now that it is about improving and enhancing our decision-making and improving and enhancing the quality of our life, the freedom that we have. So I'm just so excited about this episode. Elevate Podcast is all about mindset, mind expansion, and personal development for high-performing real estate investors. I'm your host, Tyler Chester, and I'm a professional real estate investor and high-performance coach. It is my job to decode the stories, habits, and multifaceted expertise of world-class investors and other experts to help you elevate your performance and lifestyle. Are you ready to take it to another level? It is time. Let's raise the bar today. And I want to thank you. I want to welcome you. If it's your first time listening to Elevate Podcast, thank you for being here. We are here to pour into you. If you've been here before, welcome back. And I want to encourage you. I want to invite you to pay the fee. And you know what the fee is. It is to pay it forward. Share this episode with a friend. Share this episode with one other person. In fact, I'm going to give you a preamble. This is the episode that your spouse needs to listen to. If if he or she does not yet listen to Elevate, this is the one that he or she needs to listen to, whether they are involved with you in your real estate business or whether they're not directly, they need to understand this podcast. They need to understand this approach. And I think that uh, this is one that is really going to help you take things to the next level. And um, I'm excited about that. And so I want to encourage you to pay that fee. Go ahead and share this episode with your spouse and have a discussion, plan that discussion. You're going to go ahead and put something on the calendar, maybe 30 minutes, maybe an hour, maybe it's a Saturday morning, uh, maybe it's a Tuesday evening. Maybe you're going to talk about this on date night, Um, but I think that this is an important one, and uh, I'm excited about this for you, and I'm excited uh, to also invite you to give us a rating review and subscribe or follow Elevate Podcast and wherever it is that you listen to podcasts or watch podcasts. By the way, we have video and audio. So if you want to see these beautiful mugs, you can go check out those on YouTube as well. But be sure to give us a rating review. We read every single one and we're so thankful for that. I also want to encourage you. I want to invite you. Lastly, before I introduce Derek Clifford, I want to invite you uh, to Louisville on April 21st. CF Capital is hosting an investor day. It's a first annual investor day. It's high level real estate networking. It's real estate education. It's early access to investment opportunities. We're going to be walking through uh, one of our properties in Louisville. We're going to be given a case study on not only the business plan, what we've executed already, what we're projecting to execute in the future. We're going to be walking through some of the apartments. We're going to be showing some of the new amenities that we've brought onto this asset. We're going to be showing you some of the existing amenities that we've transformed as far as renovations. We're going to be walking you through operations and so forth. We're also going to be talking about economic projections, what we're seeing in the marketplace, but it's an opportunity for you to not only be immersed in education, immersed on the ground at a property, 
um, but also to network with other high level real estate investors from around the country. People are going to be coming in from around the country. I will put a link in the show notes as to where you can learn more in RSVP for our investor day. So definitely want to invite you to join us there. Um, by the way, we're also going to be having bourbon tasting at a world-class Kentucky bourbon distillery prior to, uh, to our walkthrough. And hopefully we won't get, uh, you know, a little too dizzy there after our, our trip. Um, and I think it'll just, uh, it'll be a great experience there to kind of feel that culture. And then beyond that, we're going to have another networking event with a guest speaker, by the way, the illustrious Holly Williams will be joining us and she is going to be speaking about hidden investing and some of the myths that we have been, uh, given over the years in terms of investing across, you know, this world and America and so forth. And so she's going to give us more of a greater sense of some of the things that she's found um, as an alternative investor herself, as a dynamic investor herself. And also she wrote the book on hidden investing. So you'll definitely want to uh, be a part of that. So we're excited about that. So networking, education, engagement, investment opportunities. That's what it's all about. CF Capital's Investor Day 2022. That's April 21st from 3 to 8 p.m. We want to see you there, whether you are in this region, in this locale or not. We have people flying in from all over. We want to invite you. And uh, really, by the way, this is something that CF Capital is providing um, to our investor base, to people who have invested with us and to people who are interested in investing with us in the future. Um, out of the goodness of our heart and the investment of what we feel are long-term relationships, we love our investors. We love people that uh, have a desire to grow and through real estate, we can do that. So again, lastly, join us April 21st for the CF Capital's first annual Investor Day in Louisville. Link will be in the show notes as to where you can RSVP for that. With all that said, let's dive in. I want to introduce you to Derek Clifford, who is a successful single and multifamily real estate investor, adding 13 out-of-state units to his portfolio in the first year of acquisitions while working a full-time job. He has since retired himself from his nine-to-five job, and today he is a multifamily investor controlling 200-plus apartment units with over 25 million assets under management. He is also an author and podcast host of the, wait for it, Elevate Your Equity show. Derek is also the founder and CEO of, wait for it, Elevate Equity, a firm that partners with individuals and companies to purchase, improve, operate cash-flowing multifamily apartments, real estate. Derek published his first book, Part-Time Real Estate Investing for Full-Time Professionals in 2020, which has helped several people get started on the path of growing their passive income on the side while working a full-time cor corporate job. He also loves to give back his knowledge and has a passion for breaking down complex ideas into easy to explain topics. He's helped many people start, maintain, and grow their portfolios to achieve their own financial independence. In his spare time, Derek enjoys relaxing with his wife, biking, hiking, reading, and undertaking small household construction projects. So without further ado, please enjoy this awesome and fun and instructive conversation with Derek Clifford. Derek Clifford, welcome to Elevate, my friend. How are you? Tyler, it's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me on. No, man, it's uh, it's absolutely my honor, my pleasure, my privilege to spend time with you. I'm excited about our conversation today to dive into your perspective. It's funny because as I was really getting prepared for our discussion today, obviously you and I have uh, an affinity for the word elevate. And uh, we were just talking about that and kind of laughing about that. But I think we have a lot in common as well. But I do really appreciate your perspective, your background, the journey that you've taken um, to expand and to elevate through real estate. And so I'm excited to dive into that today. But before we dive into this conversation, Derek, one of the things that I love to do with my guests is to ask them to describe themselves in the way that the people who know them best would describe them. So I'll toss that your way, my friend. How would you how would you do that? Oh, man. Yeah. So first of all, thanks again for having me on. And, uh, you know, if 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 people had to describe me, at least that people that know me had to describe me, uh, I would say that they probably put me as a person who is very detail oriented, very structured, organized, um, and meticulous. I, I would also say that I'm, you know, a process driven person and also very polite. Like I've been commented before that sometimes I can be a little too polite, um, on certain, in certain situations, but, uh, that's what, that that's kind of how the, the easiest way that people would describe me. 
Well, you definitely played. I mean, every every interaction I've ever had with you has always been very, um, you know, it's been it's been nice. It's just been a good feeling. It's like, oh, this guy's a very respectful guy. And, you. Um, you know, I, I just I personally will say that I appreciate detail oriented people, people who are structured, people who are meticulous, because. I would say that those aren't necessarily my strong suits. I'm more of a kind of a big picture thinker, and I'm sure many of the listeners can resonate in either direction, right? You're either going to fall on the end of my spectrum or perhaps on, on Derek's spectrum. But I think that the collection of those two perspectives, and of course, there's more perspectives, can help propel things forward, can help you accomplish big things. And of course, it is about application. So I'm excited to sort of learn from your story, your upbringing, your backstory, so that we can find out, hey, what, what sort of structured approach can we apply and, and integrate into our own approach? So talk to me a little bit about sort of your your backstory. Give us a sense of where you came from yeah. and how you arrived to where you're at today. Sure. So uh, just before I start here, I want to give the, the pretext that without my wife, I wouldn't have the vision visionary structure to be able to do all this. There's a book called Traction um, that basically describes or the breaks out, you know, the difference between visionaries and integrators, right? Uh, and integrators are people who assemble all the pieces and, and make it run, right? And then the visionaries are the ones who puts, put something out there to say, this is what we want to accomplish. This is how we have to go. I have a little bit of both in me, but I lean more towards the integrator side where I have a feeling that you're more on the visionary side. That's right. But in any event, uh, I just wanted to give that pretext there because it'll help with the story that I'm going to get into real quick here. So um, the how I got into real estate is, uh, well, I, I, I went to school as an engineer, so I have a very meticulous type of background where I got an education in being meticulous uh, and carried that through to my career until I became a project manager at a utilities company out on the West Coast. And once I got there, I, I, I realized that there's so much more to this world than just numbers and spreadsheets and everything, and that businesses and decision-making and vision and things that here in the United States, we really value, which is you know efficiency and making decisions and 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 courage going into markets. Uh, I felt like that was something that was missing, so I went and got myself an MBA in Germany. Um, then when I came back to the states, um, I realized that you know climbing the corporate ladder just wasn't for me. And at the time, my wife had purchased a condo about three months before the real estate crash in two thousand eight. And fast forward four years later, and we're trying to sell this thing and it's still underwater. Like we bought it for 250, or at least she bought it. And then we got together and started getting engaged and all that. And then by the time we we're ready to sell, it was still only worth like 175 or 150. And we were starving students at that time. We couldn't afford to write a $70,000 check to let the, let the condo go while we went down to California for her residency. So what ended up happening was we put some tenants in there and started renting it. Right. And we rented this condo out and we got that from my wife's vision. She's like, well, you know, let's give this a shot because my parents have done it before my, my family never did it, but my parents have done it. Let's see what we can do here. And, and maybe this, we can turn this, uh, make, make a few omelets out of these eggs. Right. <laughs> and so, uh, what ended up happening was we ended up getting our first mailbox money on the drive down from Washington state to California, where she was getting her residency. And I was looking for a job at the time. And we started getting these, these, these checks coming in from our tenants and it covered all of the mortgages. It covered the HOA, it covered everything. And then some, and then, you know, I got to thinking, it's like, well, geez, you know, um, if, I was able to do this on accident or we were able to do this on accident. What would happen if we went into it and did it on purpose, right? Like what if we leaned into it on purpose? So it kind of went down the rabbit hole there, uh, spent a couple of years in analysis paralysis before getting my, my first uh, single family property. Um, and then after that, you know, it was everything just kind of just took off from there. I did all this stuff on the side, uh, built up a single family portfolio of homes and then started scaling into multifamily after that. So Hopefully, you know, that was a, a very long story told long, uh, but uh, we'll I'll let you take it from there if you have any other. Listen, else. I've heard stories that have taken much longer that have gotten less to the point than what you just did. So thank okay. you for that. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> no, I think that was really good. And it's interesting that you just, you know, kind of cobbled this whole process together and that challenge that, you know, you were underwater in terms of a sale pushed you in a position where, all right, well, now let's figure out a way to, to, to kind of supplant this cash flow. And you didn't even know anything about real estate investing at the time, or did your wife know anything about it? Well, my wife had seen the example, and that just speaks, Tyler, to the power of 
having two minds thinking on something, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you have one problem, if I was an integrator and I was just thinking, you know, brute force, I would have been like, okay, well, let's just take the hit. We got to pay the debt. We're taking on more debt. We're going to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. But my wife came up with the vision that says, why can't we try something new to avoid this, this situation? Um, and so that's something that kind of went full circle for us, but yeah, that, that's how it started, man. It's the power of the mastermind. And, um, the, the key word is power. You know, when two minds come together, you create a power, a third, more powerful mind, which can allow you to obtain the resources, the creativity, the execution, you know, necessary to take you to where you want to go. Because if we think about it from our own sort of tunnel vision viewpoint. It's like, here's the problem and here's the nail, here's the hammer. But guess what? Not every problem is, you know, requires a hammer. And so you started looking at it differently because of this almost mastermind experience with your spouse, which is really interesting. Yeah. I would say that there is so many situations where to use your analogy, where I'd be hitting my head against the wall to try to make a hole through it. And my wife would just hand me a hammer proverbially, right. And be like, use this, this is going to be a lot easier. Um, and so that mastermind thing is just so powerful. And, you know, one of the things that, and I know this may not be where you want to go just yet, but I have to say that if you're married or if you have a significant other in the picture, right, there should be no one else on this planet that is more vested than your significant other to help you get what you want or what what you all want, what you both want. And so I think that it's such an unrealized source of power these days, right? A lot of people are trying to do this themselves, but all you got to do is start opening up and communicating and you're going to get 10, 20, or 30x the results that you could by yourself if you just loop someone in. You know, it's it's really your first team member. Um, and it's someone that you know their incentive is aligned with you, and there should not be a trust problem. If there is a trust problem on the business side, then there's a trust problem on the personal side that probably should get resolved before you jump into this. So that's kind of the presupposition with all of this. But either way, I would highly recommend that someone start tapping into the power of their spouse to help them through situations like this that you don't even know what the answer is. Absolutely. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've gone to my wife, Katie, and just said, Hey, you know, I'm dealing with X, Y, and Z issue. Can you just hear me out? Maybe help me think through this. I know maybe this may not be your expertise, but at least, you know, help me figure out where are my blind spots? What am I missing? What should I be considering? And the power of those conversations is tremendous. But if you were to suggest to others and really kind of take that to the next level, maybe take it to a a detail oriented, structured position. When you think about the mastermind of your spouse and, you know, communicating, opening up sort of that uh, that vested interest through communication, what does that look like or what would you suggest? Ah, Yeah, you know, I get this question a lot and I think that, um, you know, a lot of people start with how do I have that conversation now? I honestly think that this is too late. If you're asking this question, Mm. if you're trying to say, how do I, how do I, you know, what do I say to my spouse that I'm interested in? I think at this point you have to start over and start with an open mind. That's the first thing. Mm -hmm. The very first thing is starting with an open mind with your spouse. So if you don't have any experience in this and you want to get your spouse on board, which is absolutely important and critical in any business, is you got to start asking questions and, and being curious about what drives your spouse, what motivates them, you know, what would help them get on your side or what would help you get on their side? Mm-hmm. What is that high level vision that you guys are looking for? Put it out on the table because once you have the vision and the clarity for what you want to accomplish, the why becomes so big that the how it just gets legs, right? Like you're able to make sacrifices with each other. And so And that includes having a conversation and making space about talking about how to invest in real estate, right? Or why investing in real estate makes sense. So starting with, you know, having these mini masterminds of like what it is that we want to accomplish. And just as something that's really tangible, that's something I picked up um, a long, long time ago when I first started working with my spouse is that uh, basic books on like learning love languages, right? Basic books on learning how your spouse communicates with you, like, Sometimes they'll vent and they're not looking for an answer, right, from you. Or sometimes, you know, um, you say something and all they want is support or something like that. And then Mm -hmm. you can table the discussion and have it later. I think that's all really, really good stuff. But the biggest thing for me that changed everything is the language that we use in these conversations. It was for every, for every I that you say in this conversation and in any conversation about vision, there should be 99 we's. So you should always use the word we, right? Because 
There's you, there's your spouse, and then there's the togetherness. There's three entities that are always moving, right? If one person changes, it starts to affect the other two. And so Mm -hmm. you got to be really mindful of that. And so putting yourself in your spouse's position or your significant other's position, using the word we as many times as possible and talking bigger, talking positive, setting ground rules by saying there's no negative language here allowed, right? These are the ground rules for this conversation. Everything is positive, right? We want to encourage each other here. So no shutting down allowed because we're talking possibilities. We're talking vision. There's nothing wrong here, right? Mm -hmm. No, there's no wrong ideas. It's all about expansion and what we truly want and how to get them mixed together and aligned. I love that. And that's almost, it's a, it's setting us up for expansion, right? It's that, that's like building the foundation of, all right, let's get on the same page and let's understand sort of, all right, if we are truly coming together as one, or maybe we weren't, maybe we haven't been making decisions as one, but we want to, or we desire to get to that point. Let's kind of understand each other a bit better. Let's speak in a more open and more possibility sort of creating fashion. Instead of using I, let's speak in the, in the terms of we, But in terms of once you've built that foundation, what does that look like from there? Is it just an ongoing iteration and say, all right, you know, here's here's what your talents are. Here's where you sort of lead us. And here's where I lead us in terms of integration or vision or or what have you. Give me a sense of where you're building that foundation from from there. Yeah. So once you have the vision in place, that's the biggest piece, right? Because that's going to allow you both to start making sacrifices on the time and effort level, right? And then, you know, once you have the vision aligned, you're like, yes, let's try this real estate thing or let's try this entrepreneurial thing. You can have a a really nuanced discussion about what you like to do, what each person likes to do individually and what's necessary for the business. For for me, um, I knew it was about all of the details. And and actually, I wish that I could say that we sat down and said, okay, you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And then that's how it evolved. It wasn't that. I was doing everything at the beginning. And then my wife kept like exposing blind spots, right? And kept saying, well, why are you doing this this way? Like, why can't you get a team member or why can't we outsource this, right? And so it kind of evolves over time. So the main thing is the communication. The main thing is that foundation of we know where we want to go. And over time, if you keep talking about these things over and over again, you're going to discover who wants to do what and who's good at what and who wants to grow into something else, right? And start outsourcing. So I think the main thing is communication because I can't really give too much advice because every person is is very different individually, except for keeping the communication going and being aware of the other person's blind spots and of your own. So in terms of folks that are, maybe they're not working directly with their spouse day in and day out, but they want to improve their communication. I mean, is it just mainly kind of, hey, let's take a step back and have a perspective that your spouse is an individual that has a different perspective that you do, but perhaps shares the collective vision. You've done the work to outline that vision you've got on the same page. I mean, is there anything that you might suggest for folks who are maybe not working directly day in and day out with their spouse in terms of building their real estate empire, but they want to make sure that they're on the same page. They want to make sure that they're supporting each other in that vision. Maybe their spouse works as a professional in a different field. Is there anything Mm -hmm. you might suggest for them? Yeah, I would say that start looping your spouse into decision making at the at the very beginning. Like, you know, as long as you have the foundation of vision and you guys both understand that the sacrifices need to be made, if you start telling your spouse what your pain points are, right? And start communicating those, what those are, that takes a level of self-awareness. Cause I don't know about you, Tyler, but for me, like I'm kind of the guy that just bulldozes ahead, right? <laughs> through difficulties. I just let yeah. problems bounce right off me. But the more that you can communicate and the more self-awareness that you have towards the things that are giving you resistance, the more odds, the odds are is that your wife or your spouse or your husband is going to be able to provide some extra insight or guidance on things that are working and things that aren't. Um, So bringing up problems and then also bringing major decisions to your spouse in the business, right? Like saying, oh, you know, should we, um, should we acquire this property? Or like, if we do this, it's going to be recourse debt, which means we're signing for it. I mean, the income's coming in, but we're signing for it. Like, what do you think about this? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, you know, another example would be, I'm having a problem with this property manager. Like, how would you handle this communication, this interaction? Like, you know, so any problem that you're having, use a spouse as your consultant. That would be my first advice, right? Because then that opens up the gates of communication, questions, right? Exploring 
doing all that great stuff that not only helps your business, but also improves your relationship with your spouse as well. Thank you for that. And Tony Robbins said it best. It's in our moments of decision that our destiny is shaped. And ultimately, if you can have someone who's fully in your corner that you trust, that you trust shares that vision with you, maybe they're not the same sort of level of expertise that you are in the real estate business. But if you can talk through things, if you can parse through information, it's almost like to a certain degree, it's almost like journaling yourself. It's like getting your thoughts out and clarifying your thinking and also balancing that off of another individual who shares that vision with you. I think that's so powerful. And that's uh, one of the ways that that I've actually implemented sort of what you're talking about here uh, with Katie myself. But when I think about your trajectory, obviously, you're talking about sort of making a transition from being an engineer project manager to getting into real estate, maybe falling into real estate into a certain degree, but then starting to build your portfolio. Talk to me about from there, obviously building the single family portfolio and then expanding into multifamily. Why did you make that decision? When was that? Give me a sense of what that looked like. Sure. Yeah. So um, I, I think that when I was getting going with my single family portfolio, it was very much like a lone wolf type of strategy. So a lot of these things that we were just talking about with vision and everything, that was just starting to pick up steam, right? And if I had had that foundation earlier, I would have jumped into multifamily a lot sooner, but you know, there's me just bulldozing ahead, right? So what ended up happening, right, is we we got a whole bunch of single family homes and we maxed out all of our loans, right? So once we had, um, you know, we once we got the first house under our belt from getting over this analysis paralysis routine that we were in, uh, we ended up getting five the next couple of weeks later, five houses in one. Wow. Then we had, then we got another four, and then we ran into a problem, right? So here we are in this first month. We start from zero, and now we have like ten homes in a matter of eight months while I'm working a full time job, right? Because everything started clicking. Like I was studying for two years and. Then I just like all of the all of the anxiety and all of the all of the pressure just fell away and we got to 10 homes. Once we had 10 homes, I realized that I couldn't get any more, right? Like the, because the of the single, lender. Correct. Because there's no more Fannie Mae 30 year amortized single family home mortgages left. Because once they realize that you have 10 loans in your name, whether it's personal or rental, they cut you off. And these were small loans, but still they cut me off. And so I was like, okay, well shoot, now what? Right. And when I found out that on the commercial side on multifamily, they don't care about you or your number of loans that you have against your name. It's more about the property. And as I, as soon as I started reading about that, I got more and more excited and hooked on it. Uh, and then eventually did my first JV with a couple of buddies from California, um, and bought an 18 unit multiplex in Indianapolis for like $350,000, something ridiculous like that back in 2018. Um, and then just kept kind of going, going from there. Um, started getting mentors, right. Got educated in the space, uh, learned about syndication, um, building a brand, uh, and then eventually just kind of exploded and got to a point where pretty soon my full-time job was costing me so much in opportunity in terms of opportunity cost that I had to just leave it behind and do this full-time. And one of the things that I I understand about your journey is that you've been able to identify emerging markets, right? You mentioned Indianapolis there. um, And otherwise, I mean, this is one of the focuses that I feel like you've really placed your emphasis on is let's find the markets that are emerging. So talk to me about defining. So first of all, if you don't mind, define an emerging market. And then how do you go about finding one? Sure. Yeah. So an emerging market is one where I mean, every every market's got like cycles, right? You have uh, places where there's jobs and economic activity increasing, and you have prices that are just going up and up and up, right? Um, and an emerging market is one of those places where prices are still fairly low, right, um, compared to where they should be, uh, or based on what economic data is telling us. We like to look at job data, you know, population growth going into a market. Uh, average income, like all of the classic things that most real estate investors look at in a specific market. If all those indicators are heading in one direction where basically there's no supply and there's a ton of demand, right? Like a bunch of people are moving in, there's jobs and everything is happening there. That's a place where we like to go to. The trick is, is that once it's already public, it's already almost too late. Mm-hmm. So you have to be one, you have to be someone who's really reading these, these uh, reading articles 
and and proactively looking at markets that maybe are on the way down. Because as markets are on the way down, you're looking for that inflection point when things start to head the other way. And that's when you start to buy into these emerging markets. So um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a long-winded way of saying an emerging market is just a place where we expect to see a lot of population growth and uh, just price, price increases and rental increases in the area. Give me a look beyond the curtain in terms of your sources of information. You mentioned reading articles. You mentioned looking yep. at job growth and data and so forth. I mean, give me a look at what type of sources are you looking at or what specific sources are you looking at? For sure. So this is this is something that, um, you know, I, I wish I could give a scientific answer for. And actually, I have a pretty cool process that I can tell you about in just a second. But uh, I wish I had a more scientific way of doing this. But really, it's tapping into your network. When I first started investing in real estate back in 2017 or 2018, I was talking with investors who were investing out of state locally in California. They were investing in the Midwest or out elsewhere. And I was talking to them about these different markets and which ones they like and which ones they're seeing good data from. And they gave me a list of four or five markets to choose from. And that is kind of what I what I went with because you know there's cash Cash flow markets, there's appreciation markets, right, Tyler? So depending on what type of play you want to go with and what, what your risk tolerance is, you'll start narrowing down a bunch of these markets just based on gut feel, based on what investors are telling you, and based on what you're seeing, right? So I wouldn't recommend that everyone take the full-on data approach and just try to like you know go sift through mountains and mountains of data, because it'll be so much easier if you just ask investors which markets they like. And then once you have a narrow selection, now you can start sharpening your pencil, right? And doing the detailed thing. Hey guys, just a quick word from our sponsor, then we'll be right back to the show. This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital, a national real estate investment firm founded by myself and my business partner, Brian Flaherty. CF Capital's mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors like you maximize their returns by investing in high value multifamily communities. If you are looking for risk adjusted alternative investments in quality apartment communities are seeking tax optimized cash flow with appreciation upside without all the hassles of management, you might benefit from learning more about investing alongside our team. You're invited to reach out and learn more about how you can invest with us by visiting cfcapllc.com. We're also currently offering a free ebook called The Bottom Line. 10 ways to increase cash flow in an apartment complex. Whether you're a new or experienced investor, we're confident you'll find massive value in this resource. So go get your free copy today at cfcaploc.com. And now please enjoy the rest of the show. Hey guys, my friend Damian Lupo just informed me that checkbook IRAs have been made illegal by the U.S. tax court. That means if you have a checkbook IRA, your holdings are now disqualified. That means taxes and penalties of up to 50% or more. Don't panic. Damien and the EQRP company can fix this. Lucky for you, those IRAs can be converted into EQRPs. Plus, you can do this retroactive to the last year, getting tax deductions and reducing your taxable income from last year. Want to invest your 401k or IRA in real estate, Bitcoin, gold, or even your own business? You can. Whether you're a full-time investor, retired, a dentist with dozens of employees, if you're listening, you qualify. The EQRP works and is your secret weapon. And now it's retroactive. They have your solution. By the way, if you got bad advice and use an IRA for an apartment syndication, you are sitting on a UBIT time bomb. But don't worry, there's a solution, the EQRP. The EQRP company is ready to help you get control of your money, kill UBIT, and help you pay way less taxes. Want to learn more about this strategy? Simply text the word ELEVATE to 307-213-3475 for Damien's brand new 2022 EQRP special report. Paying tax or letting Wall Street suck you dry is dumb. Your first step is freeing your retirement money by sending a text to 307-213-3475 with the word elevate. Yeah. And that's, it just describes the power of networking, relationship yeah. building, um, because, you know, again, you know, as we kind of talked about with the power of our spouse and the mastermind there, there's this you know, third and more powerful mind that occurs when you engage in these type of conversations or discussions. And when you enter into a spirit of collaboration in terms of, hey, let me help you, you help me, and then we can identify opportunities, you know, and then over time, I think as you synthesize and as you read reports, as you read articles, as you engage in economic discussions, you start to be able to feel where things are moving. Like you can feel yeah. a market that's going up or down or, you know, you feel when that inflection point is happening. And of course, you can never really time a market 
perfectly. And in fact, I mean, if you ask any of the most prolific investors of all time, they're not about timing the market, but of course they are about making decisions about, well, what trends are we jumping on ahead of time? Would you agree? Yeah, that? I would totally agree. Absolutely. I, I think that that's a perfect thing uh, to, 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 to look at uh, because your network is going to tell you, they're going to advise you what things to be aware of. Cause sometimes there's black swan events that may be coming up right. that maybe you don't know about. Um, uh, jumping back to the question on like what to do with the data, right? Like, let's say you have four or five markets selected. Here's what I do. Here's, here's a couple of tips or tricks. Okay. So there is uh, first of all, you want to look at population data. So you can look at the Bureau of Labor Statistics, um, mm -hmm. which is you can go on and you can find information that comes out every month, right? There's population data, there's jobs data. Mm -hmm. And so you can use that information to help inform you on job growth. And the easiest way to do that, right? This is just something that, that I learned is to set up a Google calendar or set up, you know, whatever, if you use Asana or whatever electronic tools you use to pay attention to, put that, drop that link for that market inside of a calendar link and basically have it be recurring every month. Mm. So when the data comes out each month, all you got to do is click one button and you can look at the, at the data from the previous month. And so you can just, it's, it, it's ease of access, right? Look at that. That's a great the, tip. Uh, the other thing you can do <clears throat> is you can go and set up a Google alert for your market. This is a super cool trick. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know this, Tyler, but um, basically you can have Google send you an email based on news articles that come out based on a, a specific topic that you type in. So mm -hmm. let's say, for instance, that you're interested in Louisville, Kentucky, right? In that market, mm -hmm. you can basically set up a Google alert that goes to your email address that you type in. Louisville, Kentucky, economic outlook, 2022 or 2023 or apartments or whatever. Right. And any article that hits Google, which is super cool, that meets that, that meets that relevance for that phrase that you've typed in, you get a digest of that every week sent to you. You could have it sent to you every day if you want, like you get to choose how often it gets sent to you. And so I really like to have that to be able to just kind of really, really quickly get an update inside my inbox. So I don't have to search all the time. Um, because one thing that you'll know from me is I don't like to trust my own memory. <laughs> I like to have things sent to me, right? Set up systems so that things get sent to me so I, I can just do it, right? Once it, once the opportunity comes. So now you're giving us a look at this uh, detail-oriented, structured, meticulous individual <laughs> that uh, that you really sold yourself as. And now we're seeing yeah. this. But yeah. now, so the background is a project manager and engineer. And so I think about, you know, obviously what you just described in terms of systemization. Um, I do want to get to that. I do want to talk about systemization processes in the business and otherwise. But before we get there, I mean, talk to me about how this thinking or this background allows you to look at a problem and say, all right, most people would say, or maybe your initial thought is this seems insurmountable. This seems impossible to solve. This seems like a deal that's like, wow, we need to just cut our losses. How do you look at something? And then instead of, you know, staying there, sort of breaking it down to a step-by-step -step process to overcome a challenge that seemed to be impossible. Give me a sense mm. of what, it, how does your mind work on an issue? Yeah. Right. So, you know, um, God, this is, this is like project management, right? Like this is pretty much all that that is. Mm -hmm. So it, to me, it's just like, it naturally comes because I've been trained to do this for many years in the corporate world. Um, but basically uh, it's, I'm going to give the answer here of whatever your objective is. That's it's, that's really big, Right. Um, and it, it doesn't matter how big it is. There's a mindset that has to come with this, right? Where you can't be afraid of that. As a matter of fact, it should make you uncomfortable, but you want to be the type of person that says, I'm going to rise to that challenge. And you have to kind of overcome the first indication that you get once you get the, the, the sticker shock, right? That you see when you set that goal. Mm -hmm. Because really, if you take that goal and break it down and give yourself enough time, if you start creating milestones, right? You say, okay, if the end goal is to get 500 units this year, well, you know, what does that mean each month, right? Like, how do you break that out down into something that's more digestible to do? And you can almost break it down into like a daily type of thing. And if you can break it from a yearly goal down into monthly goal or quarterly, and then go back into weekly, and then go into weekly, go into daily, that gives me so much power to be able to say, look, I know it's a huge goal. But if I just stay on track with my targets, I'm going to get to the goal that I want to get to. And there's there's one more thing I want to say about this too, Tyler, um, is that there's a book called The Gap in the Game 
mm. out there. I don't, have you heard of this book before? I've, so one of my, my accountability partner and my mastermind, uh, big shout out to Vasu Kakar Laputi. He talks about this book constantly. Yeah. He's like the gap in yes. the game, you gap in the game. You got to read this. Go ahead. Tell me so about the, gap the, the, the reason. Game. Yeah. The reason why I'm bringing this up now is because that mindset is so big, right? Like mm-hmm. ha- half the battle is setting that goal, <laughs> you know, like half of it is saying, because having the awareness to be like, wow, I'm really uncomfortable with setting this goal. But if you set it right, you can break it down into digestible pieces. It's just a matter of like the, having the mindset to put it there right mm-hmm. at the beginning. And so in the book gap in the game, I'm going to give you a quick reader's digest because it's so powerful here. A 30 second overview of what the book is, is that when we are faced with a decision or when we're faced with something that requires us to spend some sort of output, right. Or we're looking at a, a challenge, so to speak, right. There's two ways to look at it. You can set the goal really far out there and you can see what you're lacking, what you have now versus what you don't have. That's the gap, right? That's often associated with despair, worry, shame, lots of negative things, lots of lack, lots of scarcity, right? Because you're, mm-hmm. you're, here, you're here now and you're seeing all these other people out there you know, achieve that goal or have long passed it, right? Like they've already been there, right? And you're looking at, oh my gosh, in order to be that person, I'm not that person. Like I'm like, this is just too far, right? That's gap thinking. Gain thinking is taking the same thing, like right in the moment and looking at how far you've come with the time that you've been doing this and then using that to project out where you're going to be. So the gain is about positivity, gratitude, because you're like, oh my God, like, you know, for me personally, I've left my job in six months and I've grown from 20 units to like over 300, right? Or 250 to 300, depending mm-hmm. on how you count it, right? <laughs> and so if you look at that, it's like, if I set a goal that's going to make me scared, a 500 unit goal, if I'm thinking of what I'm lacking, that is not empowering. It's, so it's negative. But if you're thinking about, oh my gosh, like, look at all the things that I've accomplished and how quickly I've accomplished. And I know that everything's just going to accelerate because I'm a process oriented guy. I'm positive. My network is growing. I'm learning things so that one unit that I obtained in the past is going to be much easier to obtain it in the future because I know how to do that. That looks so much different, doesn't it, Tyler? So you're able to set such different goals. You're able to set a goal that is going to push you harder and you're going to be happy for it because you're looking at the gain and not at the gap. Yeah, I think this is such a great reminder. And I think it's one of the reasons why my accountability partner, Vasu, is talking to me about this book constantly is because us as high performers, we're always thinking about how can we expand? How can we elevate? How can we take things to the next level? And in that, to your point, there's a lot of despair. There's a lot of, uh, you know, emotions of lack. There's, um, you know, I'm but I'm not there yet. And I don't think that that puts us in a mindset or an energy really necessary to take action or take the necessary actions or push through the necessary challenges required to get to where we want to go. And so, you know, one of the patterns and one of the things that I see so frequently with with the, the highest performing people, whether it's in real estate or otherwise, they talk about gratitude being sort of a central theme to that approach. And what a phenomenal reminder and applicable way to approach this. And I also think about the way that you think about, you know, seemingly insurmountable challenges as being, you know, breaking it down to, hey, what's the next action? Instead of saying, hey, I've got to climb Mount Everest. It's like, wait a minute, I have one step in front of me. And so I feel like that is just, it's like so much easier to digest. It's like, if you want to eat an elephant or what's the saying, if you want to eat an elephant, it's one bite at a time, right? Absolutely. I think that there's room here to talk about the 10 X rule, right? Oh yeah. Um, and this is kind of like where this, this thinking comes in is like, <clears throat> think about where you're going versus where you are now, or I'm sorry, where you've been versus where you are right now. That's the gain thinking. And if you set a goal, that's 10 X, what you think you can do, and you have the mindset of the gap, it's going to be very hard right? Because you're Mm -hmm. thinking of all the things you're lacking. But if you have the mindset of the gain, right, then even if you miss your goal by, let's say a half, you've still 5x what you thought was possible, right? And so that's the cool thing is that the mindset is all about that journey. Like you said, it's all about setting the right goal, right? With the right mindset, keeping that mindset through, which is also the key, the awareness, the, and this is going back full circle. This is where your spouse can help you with all this, right? Mm -hmm. Like they can help you be like, dear, 
you are thinking in the gap right now. You need to be <laughs> in the game. And I've had that happen to me a few times, right? Just like mm -hmm. it says in the book. Um, and then you can snap right away because if you have that analogy about the gap in the game in your head, you can be like, oh my gosh, you're right. I'm being ungrateful right now. I'm, I'm being impatient. I'm being anxious, worried, angry, right? Um, disillusioned or disappointed, or there's you're caught in the comparison trap. And so 10Xing what goals you can think of and keeping that mentality as you're walking through the journey, that is how the success starts and how it keeps going. Dude, this is good. This is really good. And I think the comparison trap is one of the most critical pieces yeah. of what you just shared, especially mm -hmm. in today's day and age with social media. And obviously we're doing a podcast right now. I mean, you know, a lot of times we want to talk about, hey, our successes and I've done this and look at me and pound my chest. And what I think that really does in some ways, it can be instructive to say, hey, well, there's there's tips, there's tactics, there's strategies towards maybe accomplishing things that may be similar in terms of your goals. You know, and when I say you are, I'm really speaking to the listener and I'm, I'm speaking to the folks who are tuning in today, but we can find, you know, fall into this comparison trap and say, well, you know, yeah, I bought 250 units this year, but you know, I didn't buy 5,000 and you yeah. know, they did. <laughs> and I, I haven't built, you know, a $10 billion portfolio, but you know, the, the biggest REIT that I've ever heard of did, and you know, I, I'll never get there. And so this is a trap. And uh, I just think that this is important. And when, when I think about sort of, you know, building this trajectory and building a lifestyle design, and I do want to talk about the lifestyle that you have designed with your wife. Um, but along that path, I, I don't want to miss this because your expertise lends us so well along that path. It is about execution. It is about yeah. sort of systemization. It is about processes. It is about sort of designing a, a, a business rather than just kind of running it off the seat of your pants. So talk to me about some of the systems and processes that Ooh. are critical for you in your investing business. Oh man, Tyler, I love this, man. Thank you so much for asking this. Um, because it allows me to geek out here on, on air, which is super cool. Um, so as you know, we have a podcast, uh, we share some, the, a word in common, which is the elevate brand, mm -hmm. right? Um, we have a content generation machine that runs off of our podcasts. So let me, let me talk about this one more time. So people that are, you know, in the syndication world, maybe they'll understand this, but, uh, for people who aren't, I'd still like for you guys to, to listen to the, the message behind this. Okay. So we have this transcription service, Tyler, that runs in the background. So every time someone's talking, right, we're getting a live transcription of what everyone's saying. And this automatically links to Zoom. So, you know, now in this day and age, everyone's on Zoom all the time because of, you know, COVID implications and everyone's now used to Zoom, right, being the thing. So as I'm seeing my podcast guests say something really incredible, I can highlight it live, right? So I highlight it live, okay? And, and that's, that's, that's it. That's all my part of it, right? My virtual assistant, my virtual professional, he goes in and he finds all the highlights. He takes the highlights, he drops them into a spreadsheet. And based on whatever that sentence was or those sentences were, right, he'll create a lesson learned or what the top lesson is one sentence long. And then he'll, put, he'll drop it into a category, either team-based, mindset-based, real estate investing, practical advice, spouses, inspiration, or something else, right? He'll put them in, in those categories. And then we have a spreadsheet that basically automatically calculates or automatically fills out what day that that content is going to be posted. And there's a lead magnet or there's like all of these other things that are automatically generated downstream of that. All we need to do is create the graphics and put the sentences in at the beginning and categorize it and everything. So now we have about, oh, I'd say six months worth of content that's all unique going out on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram all every single day at the same time, every day, without having to do anything, right? Without, And that's the power process. Can you imagine what it would be like if you had to come up with three different things for each platform every single day, daily for a year? That's just, that doesn't happen, right? So what I'm encouraging everyone to listen to here is build a process. Think about what variables go in and what doesn't change. So whatever doesn't change, like if there's a formula or something that can happen that can auto make decisions for you, that's what needs to happen there. So we've, we've created this, we're getting ready to launch this at the end of the month. And it's basically going to create content for six months to a year, um, pretty much on autopilot for us. 
I love that example. That's such an interesting approach. And uh, I'm like, man, I need to know what this uh, this live transcription service is. Maybe that'll be a conversation we have offline. But I think about sort of that thinking and the application of that thinking across your business. And so I'd be curious mm-hmm. to just follow up on that thought process to say, all right, well, what tips or suggestions might you have for investors who are looking to further systematize their business or their investing approach, whether they're just looking to increase or elevate their own financial freedom? Sure. I think um, the easiest thing to do is to pick the low hanging fruit. Uh, I'm always a big proponent of using Asana or Monday or ClickUp or one of these, you know, or Notion even using one of these software tools that can, that's that's meant for project management, right? Um, and what you want to do is you want to start looking at things that are repeatable that you're doing over and over again that can be outsourced and build an SOP or standard operating procedure. Everything these days that we do, Tyler, is basically done on the computer. And if it's done on the computer, you can record it. You can record yourself doing the task. So all you got to do is flip on the record button when you're recording a task and get ready to outsource that to another person. It can be a part-time person that you can find on onlinejobs.ph or you know, some sort of virtual assistant, Upwork, anything, right? And just hire them for five hours to have them do this work for you. And so I think it's, it, people overthink trying to systematize their business mm-hmm. because you can simply record yourself doing something and then have them not only do the task for you, but build an SOP for you. That's the oh. cool thing, right? You can hire your, these, these people who you're hiring to build the process for you right? Why do you have to do it yourself? Hire someone to do it for you. They, they're going to need your time and input, of course. And it's going to take some time to be able to build that process out, but hire someone who is better at doing it than you are to build those processes. It doesn't have to be you. So that's the main point of all of this. So I promise our whole conversation will not surround around tips and suggestions, <laughs> but I do have one, one follow up okay. on this one is tips or suggestions for hiring a virtual assistant. I mean, I'm sure you've learned the hard way and and I'm sure you've had obviously a lot of successes, but is there anything that you would point to? For sure. I think, you know, every virtual assistant's different. I think understanding the cultural differences is a big thing first. So, you know, don't go in there expecting to find someone that you can relate with on the very first swing. Uh, I would say that um, if you're looking for a detail oriented person, uh, make them take the disc profile, right? Have them mm-hmm. take the disc profile and make sure that their personality lines up with the task that you're wanting to do. If you want them to make cold calls for you, right? Well, make sure that they're uh, an S or a C, right? A high S on the disc profile, which is a, a social, or I forgot exactly the term for it, but it's one that um, likes interaction with other people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want someone who's good with numbers or just running over data, then you want someone with a high C, right? So you want to try to like get the personalities right. And if you're looking for a detailed person, put some stuff in the instructions to apply that is like embedded inside the yeah. questions, right? Like a That's code hard to word. Find. Like if you, you are it. applying for this, you know, you must submit the code Do word. This. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So stuff like that. Uh, And then also look for red flags. And again, I hate to go back to full circle, bring your significant other to the interview, bring them into this process. My wife has a knack for picking up red flags and like finding stuff that's not right. So leverage that, leverage that. I'm most likely you have a spouse that has the same type of ability. So bring that in, right? Bring them into this process and that will help you get, you know, three quarters of the way there. Obviously there's trial and error, but you know, that's what I can offer. Most of your VAs that you've worked with overseas or most in the U S or what have you found most success with? Yeah, they're mostly overseas because I have a knack for processes. Um, so once I design a process, then the problem is taken care of. Um, but pretty soon we're going to be looking to get an executive assistant that will help us with more intimate details here in the U S that we can trust. Because uh, right now, you know, we don't feel like giving our credit card info out there. Like, there's other ways to do this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, as if you want them to do more, you have to expand that circle of trust a little bit. Uh, and so right now we're at a point where we like to rely on our processes to help guide our individuals. So you keep going back to this relationship with your spouse. And and I love that. And I love just how you're bringing that to the forefront. And, and you mentioned something there before I kind of followed up with, hey, are you, you working internationally? Are you working domestically with your VAs? And one of the things that I've found, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this with, you know, let's just say I'm exploring a partnership. 
right? You know, a lot of times in real estate, you know, we do joint ventures or, you know, we'll, we'll create a small LLC or whatever, right? We'll, we, we're considering partnerships constantly. One of the things that my wife has done is, you know, we'll go to dinner with someone or we'll go to their house and they, she can read energy better than I can. And I, I feel like I can read people pretty well, but she'll say yes or no based on this individual and, and whether or not they're worthwhile for us to go into business with. And I found that that's another benefit of just kind of aligning that vision. Is that something that you found as well? A hundred percent, man. This, if it doesn't pass the Sophie test, it doesn't happen. Right. <laughs> and that's, and, and really that's on a lot of levels, right? Because she's the visionary for the company. Like we're working together. Uh, I'm technically the CEO uh, of the company, but honestly, like she's really the one that's kind of setting the tone. She helped with the team. She helped recruit all the team members. And we've been going, getting along very harmoniously because of her. And she just has such a good knack for that, that we rely on that all the time for any type of gut reactions, right? If it doesn't involve intuition or gut, and it's basically down to numbers and, you know, rote decision-making or, you know, trying to select something from a big set of alternatives, then that's where I can step in. But you're absolutely right. We have the same exact dynamic going on, Tyler. So I'm glad to hear I'm in good company. I love that. And maybe it's an invitation for the listener as well to tap into that, because I think yeah. when you think about intuition and gut, you know, obviously we can tap into that ourselves. And, you know, what Napoleon Hill would call that's really infinite intelligence. And there's this thing that you can take your decision making to the next level by tapping into. But if you add this fuel onto the fire of your spouse and coalesce this mastermind, whether it's, you know, the prefrontal cortex or it's our intuition or that, you know, infinite intelligence, what can we then do? And to me, that's like, wow, that's amazing. It almost gives me chills to think about. Yeah, because you go from having two brains, which is the 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 cortex and then your gut, because they've been they've been actually showing some studies, Tyler, that there actually is a brain in your gut. Like yes. that's why when you get a hole in your stomach or you feel something like you really feel it, listen to it. You actually, yeah, you, you need to listen to that. And so I feel like my wife is more in tune with hers. And so not only am I getting to like an extra person, I'm getting two extra brains involved, right. In decision-making, yes. which is so, so important. Yeah. People, some people call it the second uh, brain is your gut, but actually some people yeah. may even call it your first brain. And uh, it's yeah. actually, it's you great. think about it, it's like the, the cells of your body are giving you sort of a, a hint towards what the right decision, what the wrong decision is. And it may be more powerfully understood than what you can understand consciously. And to me, that's like, whoa, like we, I could go down a five hour rabbit hole on just <laughs> that. But I know that uh, obviously we don't have that today. But when I kind of think about like the way that you guys have approached your life and your business, obviously investing together, not only investing in these this communication, investing in decision making together, but investing with your spouse and creating a lifestyle. You guys have become digital nomads now. So yeah. talk to me about that. Why did you make that decision? What does that look like? What is that lifestyle like? Give me a sense of that. Once again, Tyler, this is something that came from my wife because it was a good decision. It came from her, basically. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I hope she's listening, right? Oh, yeah. No, I'm getting all these brownie points right now. I'm totally pay- playing this mm-hmm. back to her once this comes out. Absolutely. Uh, but, but basically, what we decided to do was uh, she helped me overcome a lot of my limiting beliefs that I needed a steady income or I needed a paycheck in order to, to make it in this world, right? And that was something that took years, you know, it's so many years of conditioning, right? That a lot of our listeners are probably going through right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we decided to do is we sold our house in the California Bay Area back in May, uh, or actually April. Yeah. So uh, we sold our house and then we started traveling. And then in August, I left my job and we decided to just be like, you know what? Why can't we just keep this thing going? Like, what do we need all these possessions for? Like, we have the internet, we can work through the internet. We don't need a house, we don't need anything. So we sold the house, right? And we ended up just, living this abundant life, Tyler, that like we wish that we would have been living like later in the future, we decided to bring it to the present because there's an energy level that comes off with people who are living in an abundant state. Mm-hmm. And we realize that when we're happy in alignment with both what we're saying with our brand and what we're doing with our lives, it's just a beautiful thing. People pick up on the intuitively as well as ourselves in ourselves. And we start becoming more who we really should be as an, as an authentic person. And so we felt like this is an exercise of a trying to find a place to settle down later B to explore the country. Cause there's so many places we haven't been that we wanted to check out and C to live this abundant lifestyle of free choice, 
Uh, we talk about the three degrees of freedom on our in our branding, which is uh, time freedom, location freedom, and financial freedom. And we're living all of those right now. And we want to be an example of those who are working with us and who want to learn from us um, that you can do this as well. And it all starts with the abundant mindset. And we had to overcome that as well to break the chains of location freedom, break the chains of time freedom or time bondage, right? And then also financial bondage as well. So we've been able to escape all those by living in this incredibly abundant lifestyle right now. Yeah. And as corny as it sounds, I mean, the the energy and the frequency that you bring in terms of that feeling of abundance, I mean, it rubs off on everybody around you. And it, I, I truly believe, and I've seen this in my life, it brings new opportunities to you. Yeah. It brings new partnerships. It brings the intentions or the goals or the outcomes that you're focused on to you in a more effortless capacity. And really, I mean, I, I'm so glad that you brought that up because that's really the, the thought process behind this podcast, behind this discussion, behind all of what we're doing is to bring more freedom, whether it's time, whether it's location uh, or energetic freedom as well. I mean, I think yeah. about all of these things, it almost squashes uh, the energetic freedom otherwise. But thank you for that, Derek, man. I could go yeah. on for hours and hours and hours. Uh, <laughs> I want to transition into the to the rapid fire section of the podcast called the rare air questionnaire. It's all about being uncommon. It's about bringing that abundant state uh, to you uh, by making some choices along with your spouse, by the way. Uh, I've got a few questions for you here before we wrap. If you had to point to two or three of the most impactful books that you've read over the past few mm -hmm. years, what would those be and why? Ah, two or three books. Uh, I would say, obviously, The Gap and the Gain is huge. That's one of my favorites. Um, and then Think and Grow Rich. So it's kind of a classic. Uh, and then maybe another uh, obscure book. Uh, let me see if I can think of a good one. Oh, um, uh, Becoming Supernatural by um, Dr. Joe Dispenza. Really yes. great book about some of the energetic parts of living life. And so I'll leave it at that for the listeners to explore. Absolutely. If it's interesting to you and you think it's woo, -woo just go dive into it, read about it, learn yes. about it and test Absolutely. it put Absolutely. it into application. I yeah. found the exact same thing when I read Think and Grow Rich originally. It was like, it was confusing. It was weird. And I was like, yeah, let me just try it. And then things started to unfold. So to your point, there's a lot there, but we'll put links in the show notes as to where the listeners can find those books. Uh, Derek, what is the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis? Yeah. So I think that um, following a morning routine is probably the biggest way to like, uh, you know, start the day off, right. Um, get your mind calibrated, get your body ready to go, uh, and then get yourself in a place where you're already productive before your day gets going. So all of your long-term goals that you want to accomplish, like say, you know, for us, it's learning Japanese because we're trying to go to Japan here soon, later this, this spring. That's awesome. Um, compressing that into your morning routine so that no matter what happens after your morning is over, you've already made progress and checked that box. So that's kind of where that you see that, you know, long-term goal and shrink it down into daily goals, how that can mm -hmm. really help you. That's kind of where I've learned that, that technique. Oh, it's a great practical application of the mornings and the use of your morning. So thank you for that. What's yeah. the biggest way that you elevate others around you? Yeah. You know, um, I really like to take this abundant mindset and just share it with everyone. Um, like right now, you know, we get to spend a lot of time with our parents and some of our friends um, and basically just sharing all the journeys and all the things that we've been doing, uh, trying to elevate the energy of the world that way, um, energetically and productively and positively, right? And in addition to that, Tyler, we're also taking on some projects here where we're going to be working with some government assistant programs, uh, where we're going to be helping out people who are looking for vocational training in Indianapolis, um, where the government's stepping in to assist. It's a lot of paperwork and a lot of headache. But we're doing it for a good cause. We want to try to expand that program out further uh, to help more individuals out there. Derek, man, you brought so much value today. I just want to acknowledge you for not only your abundance mindset and the abundance energy that you bring, but also your approach and also sharing with folks sort of a unique thought process around bringing your spouse in to expand and to elevate so much further. But man, you're doing so many amazing things. I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited to, to be your friend and to have the opportunity to speak with you today. Is there any parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you'd like to share with Elevate Nation today? Yeah, I think the main thing um, is just to keep an open mind. Uh, I know there's education, that's one piece, but keeping an open mind is a start to it all. It, it, it enables communication with your spouse and then also gets you into the thought process of what can what can I do? What can you explore? And so it's, it's very much on the positive and the abundant side of uh, the energetic experience, I would say. Derek, before you go, my friend, tell the listeners where they can find you and learn more about what you do. 
Absolutely. Just go to my website at elevateequity.org. Um, or you can just find us wherever you listen to podcasts at the Elevate Your Equity podcast, very similar name to yours. Uh, <laughs> and then, um, yeah, we're just out there on social media as well. So you can find us on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, and also on Instagram. We'd love Derek, to see you. Derek Clifford, my friend. Until next time, thanks again for being on Elevate and we'll see you soon. Thank you so much. Elevate Nation. Wow. I had a lot um, that I wanted to get out of this conversation and I got so much more. And I'm so thankful for Derek. And I hope that you are seeing some new opportunities to elevate, to expand. And, you know, I think Derek and I were joking before uh, the conversation about, you know, the the word elevate almost seeming to be a bit overused at this point. And, and maybe it's our own reticular activating system that's hearing that word constantly, you know, whether it's in sports or in business or whatever, you know, uh, I just think that today's conversation really did surround around the opportunity for us to expand and for us to create more freedom. And, um, you know, obviously real estate being that vehicle, but it does come down to our, our mindset, our thought process, um, the way that we're partnering with our spouse. You know, we, a lot of us talk about, hey, this is our partner, this is our significant other, but how are we making that significant? How are we actually partnering? And I, I just appreciate how Derek is bringing that to the forefront and also, you know, how we can bring in some energetic approaches to make things easier because it doesn't all have, to, all have to be so hard. You know, there's a lot of things in life that are hard. Um, you know, business can be hard. Real estate investing can be hard, but it also can be easy. And, um, you know, I'm excited about the opportunities that we all have. If we can shift our perspective, if we can partner with our spouse, uh, if we can improve our communication with our spouse. So I'm just thankful that we had the opportunity of having this discussion. I want to encourage you to re-listen to the show because we learn twice as much when we listen twice. And also, if you share this episode with a friend, spouse, colleague, uh, someone that you find to be important in your world, I want to encourage you to have a discussion with that person as well. What was it that you found as far as a takeaway? And I think it, this one is a real call to action for us to have a discussion with our spouses on how can we improve the way that we communicate whether it's understanding our vision, making better decisions together. I, I That's my biggest challenge for you today is to have a quick discussion. Maybe it's a quick, maybe it's a long discussion, or maybe it's we put something on the calendar to have a discussion about how are we partnering as investors and spouses and, and uh, you know, patriarchs of our family. How are we you know, pushing that process forward together? Um, and how are we improving together? So I, I think that's the biggest, one of the biggest calling cards of this conversation. Um, I you know, beyond that, just identify what are your top one, two or three takeaways from this episode? Maybe they had to do with systemization or processes or standard operating procedures or working with VAs. I mean, there's just so much here. Ultimately, the most important thing that we can do now is move forward and ask ourselves, what's the next action? What's our next massive action plan that we're going to take? Because that's really how you turn information and insight into power is by taking action. So Elevate Nation, until next time, thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.